0: then you've come to the right place. There are so many exciting opportunities in this dynamic sector, and I'm looking forward to pulling back the curtain and sharing them with you. Welcome to the Commercial Property Investor podcast, the show dedicated to the private investor, and I'm your host, Jerry Alexander. We want to show you how to cross the divide from residential investing over to commercial property investing through interviews tips and lessons learned we share experiences of investing and give you the inspiration knowledge and confidence to enjoy this great cash flowing strategy so let's get started Let me introduce you to a key partner for our storage container business. Wheelbox has over 20 locations throughout the UK and their own transport, which is just one of the reasons we choose to use Wheelbox for our container requirements. All of their products are available for hire, lease purchase or outright purchase, so you can create a balance between capital expenditure up front and cash flow over the longer term. They also have their own in-house fabrication and conversion facilities, which allows them to create bespoke container or modular designs just for you. And as part of the service, the team provide a fully comprehensive self-storage consultancy package to anyone looking to expand their current sites or breaking into this fast-growing industry. Now, I'm really excited to tell you Wheelbox are currently offering a free aerial site survey for you, our listeners. Just quote CPI Network when you get in touch and they'll create a site drawing showing your optimal container layout. Now that's really useful. Perfect for you to maximize your drive up storage ideas. So check out the show notes or simply type Willbox into your browser and reach out to their amazing team to discuss how WillBox can be a key partner to you unlocking your self storage goals. Hello, hello, welcome back to CPI podcast. I hope you've been having a really good week. This is episode two of the new mini series on container self storage. Last time, I broke down the costs that we've experienced with container site setup and those ongoing operational costs. In this episode, I'm really pleased to be able to share with you a conversation I recently had with James Dale and Tom Williams of Willbox, our mini-series sponsors. Their breadth of knowledge of the industry is really fantastic and I was able to ask them lots of different questions. The two areas I concentrated on, though, were optimising the setup of sites, including those where you double stack containers, and then we talked about the growing trend to fit out containers for bespoke storage solutions and a multitude of other uses, including pop-up shops and multi-story office buildings. It was a fascinating conversation, at least for me anyway, as I love the container business. So, without further ado, let's dive in. Morning, joints. Good
1: morning. Morning, Jerry.
0: Nice to see you both. I've really been looking forward to this episode because we're going to get much more technical about containers. And some of the uses that can be made, both in terms of fitting them out for different styles of occupation, not just storage, but also just the details on how containers work, how you do double stacking, which is something I've not really done myself. So there's some key points I want to get into, but maybe what we should start with is just a couple of introductions, right? Maybe, Tom, you could introduce yourself and what you do at Willbox
2: yeah no problems um yeah thank you very much for having us on uh, so i'm tom williams i've been at wheelbox uh, container sales manager for three years now um been in the container industry for about 19 years in terms of of what we do in in my side of, of wheelbox uh, we obviously sell the shipping containers we also offer these the site surveys the site designing of people who have new sites for sites from birth or people who are looking at expanding their sites or moving into hybrid sites so yeah we, we offer a bit of an all turnkey package and and also here we, we have our own self-storage site called woodpecker so we're also living the the containerized self-storage stream as it is so yeah we're, we're <laughs> consistently in it day in day out
0: wow 19 years that's fantastic right okay <laughs> and james hi
1: hi i'm james dale conversions manager for willbox i look after uh, basically, uh, the modification of the containers. Uh, Tom Tom supplies the containers over to me, and I I then work with the clients to modify them to their to their needs. I also look after the product portfolio, so uh, any any standardised products that we offer to market, and I also support our higher fleet as well. So we've got a uh, we've got a large hire fleet circa. 3,900 units out on hire at the moment. So there's a constant need to maintain that fleet over a rolling period, but also uh, looking to update and put new product into that fleet as well.
0: Fantastic. Great. Great experience. Right. Thank you, both gents. I I think just through in the years, I I think we bought our first site that had containers 19 years ago, about the same time, Tom, as you got started. And we just had six containers that came in this building that we bought, concentrated on the building, didn't really pay much attention to them. They were producing an income, they were let out. And it was only a few years later, I really recognised actually what a great business container storage business is, particularly when you've got um, occupants in a building that are, um, you know, using electric, heating, lighting, all these sorts of things. And then there's the humble container, right, with with no power heating or anything, depending on, of course, what you're using it for, James. But in terms of storage, you know, that they're not really you tend not to put any of those things in them. And uh, they, they're they a really simple business, this sort of storage business, which I really love. But I am intrigued about some of the developments you've been working on, James, so we'll maybe get stuck into that a little bit later on. Yeah. So let's just start by talking about the Humble Container, right, let's just recap here. There are different sizes, of course, but I think this size that we've used 99% of the time is a 20-foot container. Maybe um, James or Tom, I'm not sure who, but maybe you could just give us some of the stats around the containers. What, overall, what the size is, what they're made of, what they weigh, that sort of thing.
2: Yeah, no problems at all. As you rightly said, in terms of sort of domestic self-storage, the 20-foot container is is the most standard type that people use. The 160-square-footer is certainly the most popular. And it's also, uh, from what we've noticed with, with Woodpecker, the general public are starting to, to fully aware, and I appreciate that, is the, the standard container. In terms of sort of a little bit about the 20-foot the container, uh, everything's done in feet with containers, but in <laughs> sort of cubed uh, meter size, it's, it's 32.6. Um, it's made of cotton steel, which is actually a trademark name for, for weathered steel. It, depending on sort of the read-ups of, of where you get it from, it, they're all made in China. It'd be anywhere up to 98% of containers are made in China. There is some, some pop-up factories now coming over in, in sort of Vietnam funded by the koreans but china has very much got the monopoly and and sort of that touch and we will touch upon it in a bit is obviously uh, how there was such price peak a couple of years ago which is still sort of relevant in the market now because obviously covid and the origins of that so yeah the 20 foot container is certainly the most standard 10 foot containers have started to appear in more self-storage sites now just for the what i would call that the nooks and crannies the corners yeah it's the optimization isn't it yeah exactly exactly uh they actually cost more the 10-foot containers because you have to <laughs> yeah strangely it, the work nothing simple uh but you have to pay for the freight to bring bring them in so you they can't be used to bring cargo in like the once used 20-foot containers so the of 10-foot course, are yeah. actually new so, yeah, they do cost more.
0: Amazing. Yeah. So really, it's just when you're, you've are you got a site there where there's a corner, you need to try and monetize. Is it worth spending a little bit more on a smaller container? Yeah.
2: That's, yeah. And it, and James will touch upon it in a bit, which is great. We were able to sort of modify the the, the humble 20-foot container to different sizes now to meet that size demand that the, the market is actually showing. So you might yeah, not have cute. to spend that money out on the 10 foots. I'm with you, I'm with you. Okay, so just just a couple of the stats I'd be interested in.
0: What is the kind of maximum weight these things can take? And, you know, you see them stacked high on storage containers. I mean, What height height can these get to? I mean, James, you've been involved in doing developments with offices and things. I mean, what sort of height can these things go to?
1: Generally, uh, on cargo ships, they're they're rated to stack nine high. I mean, they're so over-engineered for... Predominantly, what we use them for, they're virtually bulletproof. I mean, uh, there's some really random stats, but you know, each corner post is like rated to like 92 ton, which is absolutely tremendous. But generally, the maximum height is stacking nine containers high on vessels and and in some storage yards i've never seen a lot of storage yards that do go to nine high because localized planning permissions and stuff like that but yeah they're really over-engineered i mean that they they can be stacked nine high fully loaded so that there's a, a great amount of a tonnage on the actual corner posts but these things are designed to you know for a very harsh life at sea you know they're designed for like circa 15 years in a maritime environment going across oceans facing you know gale force winds and rogue waves and you know whatnot there and when they get to us and we just use them to store store (laughs) stuff in it's 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 totally the opposite end of the spectrum so
0: yeah. Okay. Excellent. All right. So, um, I just want to cover a couple of questions that that might um, be more towards yourself, Tom. Just about the market right now. Maybe you could just give us a uh, an indication of how this business, the sector, is growing for you. Because obviously, you supply containers for more than just self storage sites, right? But just you know, what what is happening in that market? What are you seeing in the self storage business?
2: So the self-storage business, which I'm sure everyone is aware, back in 2021, it went for a complete booming period uh, after lockdowns uh, and going on with lockdowns with ongoing sort of house movers, stamp duties. Uh, the uh, demand was high, supply was, was very low just due to sort of COVID factors that were going on uh, in, certainly around the world. Currently, the market is still where supply is got back to what would be considered a normal normal state so uh, in terms of containers coming in from china it's probably not as strong as we would like it to be because there has been a slowdown in in world trade so that is really the the main drive on how quick containers come over uh, because obviously the cargo that comes into um so so supply is a little bit slower but, but certainly stronger than it has been in terms of of demand not up to 2021 levels but still, extremely strong. It's certainly a market, and, and self storage sites is is certainly a business that people are, are looking to to uh, to go into. containerized self storage, especially because, and you touched upon in previous pods, uh, Jerry, when when you said it, there is little barriers to actually joining the uh, yeah. joining the business. Fundamentally, you get a container and you put it on site and then you can let it out. Uh, So it's a quick, quick startup and people are joining this. And and what we are seeing a really, really high uptake is people who had a building on, on site and then they've noticed that little areas of land on on their their sort of property yep. that haven't been fulfilled, haven't been maximised, and containers are perfect for this. We call them um, here hybrid sites. So the indoor self-storage is there. The outdoor possibility is now being ventured into. And because obviously it's, it's a quick win, but also you're able to then target the drive-up market. So people...
0: Let me ask you a question. Have you heard of SAS Pensions? They're a fantastic tool for business owners to wrap a commercial property up in a tax-free bubble. SaaS can work particularly well with the CMO strategy to generate money both inside and outside of your pension. It goes without saying, I'm not a SaaS expert, but let me introduce you to someone that is. Bryn Walker has been advising on SaaS pensions for many years and has been a long-term supporter of the CPI network. SaaS and commercial property work incredibly well together, but there are many nuances and Bryn will make sure you don't stray from the right path. Look in the show notes for the partner link and book up a SaaS discovery call with Brent.
2: Instead of having to go through corridors or trolleys and and, and this type of thing with indoor self storage, people are wanting the drive up access which which containers can offer. So yeah, in 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 summary, the uptake of containers is still on on the rise, uh, more in tune with normal market conditions, sort of pre 2020.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Now I know I've got I've got a label. We're hybrid sites. That's what we tend, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. what we tend to be. <laughs> um, just just on the market, there it was interesting to hear you say about um, the restrictions and how things have changed. And then you mentioned about one trip. Let's just quickly talk about one trip. That's basically where they make the container in China. They ship over whatever's coming over. TVs, whatever it is, and then the container is sold off and that really reduces the cost because otherwise we'd have to pay for shipping an empty container, which obviously would be rather expensive. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's exactly it. So after the container is produced in China, agreements are made with the shipping line for cargo to be used to the destination required by, by a company like ourselves obviously there is limitations on the cargo that we we ask to be used so we certainly wouldn't want it to be filled with with marble with granite or anything like this which is going to damage the container it's got to be a certain type of cargo and then it's it's brought into the uk otherwise like you said you would be having to pay freight costs which can well two years ago they spiraled up to plus ten thousand dollars so now they've gone to two thousand thousand dollars but yet that would still be something that we would have to be passed on to the end user to the business but fortunately we're in a position in the uk that we don't have to do that
0: okay so let's just just touch on price um i'm yeah. not going to hold you to anything and obviously there's a time you know we're recording this on a certain day right but just yeah. where, where is kind of the price of new containers uh, maybe i don't know if you get see the second hand market um and just just where people expectations should be at the moment yeah,
2: yeah. so in in terms of pricing we had extremely high and and I would probably go on record on saying Q1, Q2 last year was, was the highest I've seen, 20 foot once used containers. They were easily going out out the door for sort of 3,200 plus from, yeah. from some depots. That's that's now dropped due to the production prices in, in China dropping. Um, I think really in terms of, of where the price is gonna be looking, around about the 2,500 to 2,600, is sort of standard from depot at the moment. Uh, and, and I think something that, listeners do have to be aware of is, is when we say from depot the depots are very much based around sort of ports areas bar yeah. a few dry dock so there is transport charges or reposition charges on that but the the base costs i would say yes in, and maybe in some cases going down to as low as sort of like two four in a couple of months time
0: okay and the secondhand market
2: yeah, yeah the secondhand market it runs very parallel in terms of of the once used obviously um i would say there's going to be a bit About 700 pound to 1,000 pound difference, generally in uh, in the 20 foot side, 17 to 1,900 pounds for a 20 foot second hand container. I think the only thing to note with second hand containers at the moment is is the retirement age of these. Uh, so that the age that the shipping lines are actually removing them from their fleet seems to be increasing almost every year. Uh, yeah. When I started, they used to only use them for around about twelve years. And it's now notched up to around about the eighteen years mark. So generally, their condition is 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 not as good as as it once was. They still serve a purpose, certainly, but um, yeah, I'll just just always uh, be a little bit aware if you are buying second hand. Try to see pictures, or or even sure. better, go with
0: Sure, you don't know quite what you're getting. Um, and of course, having color matching, which might be part of your planning needs, is going to be very, very difficult. Um, yes. Apart from the else, the color does fade. So you might get three shades, four shades of green, <laughs> which may have all started off at the same color at one point or another. Um, so, yeah, so the price is just uh, is under three grand now. And of course, people do have to bear in mind that there is a shipping cost as well, because that's X works as you say so yeah depending on where you are in the country you're going to be paying maybe five six hundred pounds maybe a bit more depending on what 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 you're doing and getting two containers on the back of a a lorry is cheaper than just one because it's the same lorry
2: oh 100 yes yeah. so it's certainly something that that uh if space warrants it um try to get try to get them in pairs certainly as a minimum try to get them in pairs yeah Okay, right. Let's
0: move on to sites. So, um, what? What I guess we, we should start off with is just the basics. Like, um, what, what are some of the things that people need to think about in terms of restrictions? Um, the, the whole optimization of site we touched on earlier on about ten foot containers, things. One of the services that you guys um, provide, which I think is just fantastic, is taking somebody's um, site and working out what the best optimized design is so what are some of the things that you look at when you're doing that you know is it transport is it circulation space what are some of the key things that you look at
2: yeah so it's a quick summary of the the site survey is is myself or one of the team would come out to, to site ourselves at the earliest opportunity we'd bring the drone as well so we'd send the drone up and get some aerial footage and then we can also see in the want of better words, actually, the lay of the land, how ground conditions are, uh, just a general view of the overall area. Obviously, when we're, we're driving to the site, we can see in uh, in terms of as new residential properties being erected. We can then certainly see if there's competition around as well, and and, and any sort of, sort of main road signage to be aware of. Uh, looking at sort of site optimization, it's uh, it's one of those things where. I, I can be at a show at any time and someone will come up to me and say, I've got an acre site. How many containers can I fit on it? And, and that's great. I can give you a figure for that. And I can say, yeah, you're going to be looking circa 350 boxes, but it's obviously all down to the shape of the land. Yeah. Um, so, so when we get the, the aerial views, we take it back to the office. And when we don't have a, a fancy design software, we do it all from eye, all from experience. Um, we look at, um, certainly filling per- perimeters, first, and then mainly islands in the middle, and say islands, I'll look at uh, sections in the middle of the yard that we can then start to, to not only maximize space, but also offer different sizes. So we can start to entice different areas of the market. So not just the 160 square foot, so the 20 foot containers, but the smaller containers as well, because there will be inquiries for these. Yeah. Um, and then I think one of the key factors which we certainly noticed over the last year is is the phased deliveries. So people who are wanting the the whole site done, uh, but maybe not having the experience of realizing that if they fill up certain areas of the yard first, uh, our transport vehicles or, or whoever they use to deliver the containers can't access certain areas retrospectively to then put other containers. So being able to offer that guidance is, is certainly something we've noticed crucially. And that also fits in with the, uh, the second story units, because that is something that, in an ideal world, is looked at uh, at the birth of the site to ensure that, uh, that everything is, is sort of structurally and in good condition to, to move forward in, in the future if that's going to be something to, to go yeah, with. Yeah,
0: that's that that's great moving on to that because double stacking, as I mentioned at the start, is not something I've done um I've seen it done in different ways in sites and sites, and and maybe you could just talk through the bits and pieces that people need to consider. I mean, for me, it's the whole access thing. You know, how, how do you get people up there? And there are a couple of different solutions to that, aren't there? So maybe you could just talk through what site operators could think about in terms of um, whether they add an extra layer or whether they're all 20-footers. Does it increase the amount of area that you need out front for access? Just what are the different ways to deal with that, Tom?
2: Yeah, so... So looking at the second story people go down two routes so the first route is where they would use a container as the fundamental i will stick another 20-foot container on top of my original container uh, and then they would use a set of roller stairs to roll up to that container uh, open the doors and, and use it from there uh, there is a couple of issues with that you one obviously i then got to be very careful health, health and safety wise yeah. with roller roller steps um, and then also, your ground does have to be very, very sort of level and, and easy to push these steps, because they may be lightweight, but we do have to take everyone into consideration who wants to use the, the self-storage site. Um, what we predominantly use and we build in-house now, uh, and we've I've got a picture of them behind, is our topper containers. Uh, so the topper container is, again, a 20-foot container, which is fabricated to have a four-foot or five-foot walkway through it and then two storage units either side or yep. sorry, one storage unit either side, which is generally around about an eight foot square unit there. So you're looking at about 64 foot, uh, square foot that can be let out in terms of, of what people need to have this or to take into consideration to have these topper units fitted. Um, one Um Planning, I think, uh, is, yep. is always something to ensure that you've, you're you covered that side. Um, ensure that the ground that the original containers is placed on is gonna be able to uh, to withstand another container coming in. And something which we can help with retrospectively, but in an ideal world is, is something that is, is considered beforehand, is actually the leveling of the ground floor containers. Because the last thing you want to do is start having ramps big lips between the two containers on the walkways up the top um like i say we've done many a site now where we have retrospectively arranged for the top containers to be leveled out to meet the bottom containers and their following container by legs and and tilts but you know economically for for any of the listeners out here it's it's certainly better to to do it and keep it in consideration from the the first get
0: the first one done yes
2: Exactly. And then in terms of access, um, and again, I'll go back to my background, and I actually only did this background by, by chance. I normally use a different one, but the steps here are an absolutely great example of it. So we we would have a staircase. Um, for example, this one here is a staircase in the middle of our stack and then two landings either side. I'm with you. Um, yep. you can have it the other way where you'd have a staircase just at the end of the uh, of the row and then yep. meet it meet it from there um going back to to sort of like the pre-planning side of it obviously if we are looking at putting a staircase in the middle of the stack you'd want to keep that space there before um you put any any you're losing
0: yeah you're effectively losing two container spaces or whatever it is to get a stack in just for those that are listening you can't see that basically um tom's picture is talking about it's basically a row of 20-foot containers on top there's another row of containers but they are a four to five foot gap in the middle that's created, and then each side of that container, uh, as when you go into that gap, is then doored, fitted out with doors. James, is that your standard doors, or a slightly different set of doors that are on those? Um,
1: now there are standard doors. We have modified them slightly in in that they take lock boxes, uh, hmm. so you, your standard lock box that goes on a storage size, uh, so the client can have their own uh, that put their own padlock on. Uh, that's fine. Uh, we can supply them as a ten uh, twelve point lock in security door just on a standard keyed double throw Euro cylinder type yeah. lever latch. Um so we it, that's our preference is, is to put the lockbox on them, but we have clients with different preferences where we supply we supply them as the standard security door. Yeah. Or you know we we put a Haspen staple on, or you know it's it's pretty much t- down to the client client's preference on oh, that
0: type, type of fitting they put on there. Yes. So so basically this this road container is sitting on is it a concrete plinth or a whole concrete slab that's there, Tom?
2: Uh, so that one there is actually a whole concrete slab.
0: Right. So sitting on concrete slab. So then you've got a set of stairs, metal stairs going up to the effectively the middle of the container, and then the walkway runs through those through the, that container through to the next one through to the next one, and just again for just an idea tom what sort of cost are those containers where you've got that subdivision going on there i appreciate there'll be lots of variables for different people yeah. but r- roughly
2: you're looking circa around six thousand pound
0: yeah okay and then you've got two units there up top and they're uh, are they eight foot eight seven foot
2: yes yeah so these ones here are, are the eight foot ones uh, with the four foot walkway um and it, it offers a great solution for people who were finding our site starting to say obviously land is, is such a premium to get hold of yes. at the moment but they their demand is is extreme on their current sites that uh, in sort of thinking the, the best way to go is the only way is up so we've, we've got yeah. to get these toppers containers on there
0: that's great okay so what that's doing is basically on in terms of the external it's just giving you 20 foot box of the 20 foot box on the top but i have seen and, and you mentioned sorry just just To go back to the point you made, you can run a, a roller access on the front, so it is effectively a 20 foot container. But I've also seen it where they've reduced the size of the cane container on the top, at least in my mind, that's what they've done. It's not a 10 foot container, it's still a larger container, but they've maybe taken a, a, a section off the front to yeah. allow you to create a walkway. Is that another,
2: yeah, this, that's, a, that's that a really do? good option. Um, in terms of basically the the topper corridor can be moved to any configuration that that, Mm -hmm. that you'd like. So it doesn't have to be in the center. Uh, It could be moved to the front, so the walkways at the front, and then you effectively have a 16 foot unit uh, to hire out from there. Um, We do find from from precedent and from a little bit of experience with Woodpecker that people going on the first floor actually uh, prefer to have the smaller size units um, a larger unit, say maybe the 16 uh, foot unit on top is very close to the same size as a 20 foot unit down yeah. the bottom. So people are gonna be more inclined to to maybe look at uh, the 20 foot at the bottom, especially pricing wise. So yeah, that's the only thing that, that we have noticed with that. But yeah, certainly in terms of configuration, anything is, is possible of how you'd have the walkway and the storage unit.
0: And if, if you go for twenty foot and twenty foot walkway at the front, in your experience, Tom, so what price difference have you seen on site? So have you seen much price difference at all between the, the ground floor access versus
2: up a set of and, stairs? Yeah, it, that would obviously depends on on the on the current demand. Sure. So, you would consistently have to be checking pricing. Uh, I, from what my past experience is, I would notice that you would be looking at maybe anywhere between sort of 40 pound less per month by going top floor um, because of the hassle that's involved in it. But Obviously, yeah. if you've got such a strong demand for containers and people are willing to go and use the roller stairs, then it's just a case of actually, you know, having that discussion with, with customers. And, uh, and deciding if, if you're going to vary it. But I would I would tend to always try to push for the smaller units on top. I think that is that is certainly going to uh, um, increase demand. So people are going to be more interested in those.
0: Brilliant. Okay, thanks, Tom. And, and I appreciate that you've extended an offer to our listeners for anybody that wants to have that free survey just to reach out and we're going to put some of the details about that in the show notes for people who've got a site they're looking at can actually get in touch and and get some numbers and do you always go to site do you sometimes do it from google if there's good quality information
2: there or yeah to be fair it's entirely up to the listener or whoever gives us a call we're more than happy to come to site got no problems going anywhere across the uk to do okay. it but yeah if if someone is doesn't have the time to meet us on site and would like us to do it from google we can certainly do that as well
0: Fantastic. All right, Tom. That's been that's been really helpful. I, I think um, my questions now are probably going more towards James. So I just want to start talking about bespoke fit out. It's so my 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 background was with construction. So I was used to maybe porter cabins and different offices on site that come in that are modular but not container. I think you know that that is something that um there's a lot of sites will use a containerized office because it can all get locked up and everything else at the end of the day but but it's moved on so much from that hasn't it the, the bespoke fit out now is really quite extraordinary i was down in london just last week there um a whole shopping area built out of containers box park stuff uh, it's just really interesting what's going on there and i just wanted maybe to explore that a little bit with you james as to what what's the kind of the popular formats right now that people are using the, the, the project we spoke about beforehand was an office but there'll be other other developments too what are you seeing
1: we're in a unique position because we have so many channels coming into the business where we get so much diversity in what in what clients want we convert the container to the client's needs so you know whether that's uh we're doing a lot with like plant equipment for like generator housings compressor housings uh, ancillary equipment for like water treatment works and stuff like that so there's there's loads of different obviously in the self-storage market it's predominantly toppers and what we call multi-doors where we uh, where we yeah. convert a a 20 foot into into a uh, four bays or three bays or whatever the client wants or we convert 40 foots into multi bays and put you know six or seven personnel doors down the side so that you can access each bay and they're all partitioned off. So you've, you you yield in, in the self-storage market is um, you, you're renting out a lower square footage for probably a more premium price yeah. for that yeah. square footage. But going to like bespoke conversions, we obviously utilize... Containers for singular builds or modular builds where we're joining them all together. The type of markets we're into at the moment is like uh, health and fitness, like pop-up gyms and stuff like that. Retail, entertainment, you know, food venues, bars. We've created simulated towers for the military so they can do like high-rise firing exercises and stuff like that. So they're utilized across so many sectors in the industry we cater for a lot of marine projects as well, stuff like the ports as well. The office that we mentioned, that's actually on the port development, which is about a 15 million pound development. Uh, so that's where a new port terminal is being created. So we've, we'll utilize the containers uh, for their operate uh, operations office. Uh, so that that was 11 40 foot containers joined together uh, over two stories. Uh, so that creates all the mess, mess facilities for the workers, reception area for visitors, an upstairs operational offices, hot offices, uh, a boardroom for a meeting. It's got a, a deck area upstairs as well. So the, you could actually go and walk out onto a deck and overlook the uh, the port development as well. The idea around that was when you're in a container port, you, you need to see everywhere on site. So visually, you want to be looking... 360 degrees around so, so the design of that was uniquely driven by that where we positioned all the windows so wherever you are in that office building you have a direct line of sight of where you want to look basically
0: externally so, so yeah so for listeners there's you know you have this vision of or i would have a vision of a box with the door but this is not a box constructed with six foot and eight foot. It's basically you effectively remove the walls. You can remove these walls. And one of the questions I did have from a structural point of view was if you've got a 20-foot or a 40-foot container and you remove the wall, do you need certain supports along that? What's the kind of frequency that you need supports? Or can you actually open these things right up?
1: Uh, you can you can open them right up. There is there is precedent to do that. We've We've done it in the past we do try to put central supports in because it makes it makes the fabrication side a lot easier Mm -hmm. um so if you typically put the side of a container out what you'll find is that the roof becomes like a piece of paper you'll be able to fold it like you know with tags and bows because you've taken out all the reinforcement from the corrugation yes uh, so what we what we do we then fabricate a heavy box section frame or that could be what we call PFC parallel flange channel frame uh, welded back into the structure to to replace that rigidity. And we also leave a certain amount of corrugation in the roof as well to help support the roof. Uh, so you've got an additional frame, you've got a additional corrugation left in that's then fully welded in. And it's important to know that when we join them side by side, you've then got two frames that then mate side by side and they're welded together on right. side. You know, you're increasing the strength massively to what you've actually taken out of the container. It's also important to know that you don't just have to reinforce the roof. You then have to reinforce the floor as well. So what we do as well is we weld another another piece of framework into the substructure of the container. Okay. To keep the rigidity back there as well.
0: Yeah, because otherwise the walls would have been holding it up effectively. Yes,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah so, um, and on when we are doing multi-story developments as well, what we'll do, we'll we'll place stilts between the containers. Predominantly, a container is designed to sit on four or four corner castings. Yep, uh, and that's where it holds its strength. All, all the all the load is transmitted down the corner posts. But then, obviously, when you start modifying the containers, you'll you'll you're not reducing the strength of the corner post but you know that you're creating more flex in the box so what what we then do is that we then prop and reinforce that on site as well when we're doing the containers so where we've done a two-story and we've taken out the the walls of the upper floors we've then stilted that from the to the container below to transmit the load yeah and then when we, when we remove the wall in the upper container, what we try to do in the lower container is design it so that there's a reinforcing wall underneath it so you, you've not got two open apertures yeah. above each other.
0: I'm with you. Great, okay. So that project you're specifically talking about where um, it's an office block with lots of light, what were the numbers... Comparison, like a percentage-wise, between constructing it with the containers and obviously the speed that it can be constructed with containers, and maybe if they'd used a traditional format, did you look at that? Uh,
1: Yeah, we. It's a general generalised estimate, going off commercial commercial production rates for standard construction. But certainly that was uh, that was around about sixty percent of the cost of a traditional build. So you you've got a forty percent cost saving. But what that also does as well is it reduces the time on site, so we, there, there's a cost saving there. So basically, that project we we started installing at site in October, um, about the first week in October, and we handed that project over complete in mid February. Wow, yeah. So that's it, it's a very condensed build timetable actually on site. Uh, in a traditional Befford as well you you do you know you're you're susceptible to weather conditions um i mean when we installed that we were susceptible to weather conditions because that's a different type of build where we're not we're not installing the box when it's 90 percent complete you have two options you can do the internal fit out on the site or you can do uh what we call prefabricated so most of the fit out is done at the factory yeah. uh with the design finish that we wanted on this project we did the internal fit out and used normal construction methods for the internal fit out uh on site uh so we got a more of a seamless finish between the containers uh so it was like a traditional plasterboard and installation yeah. uh, build uh, where it was then all skimmed over with final coat so it gives a more seamless finish so Everybody who's walked into that project has said it looks nothing like containers on the inside, and that's that's the feel we wanted. We wanted it to be nice and quirky on the outside. Look, it's built from shipping containers, but as soon as you went on the inside, you know you 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 cannot tell whatsoever that you're in a yep. in shipping container. But the build of that as well, you know that the site wasn't ready for us to install uh, until October. So we um, we work with the ground contractor and tell them where we need the concrete limbs for the containers to sit on, uh, but the the groundworks wasn't ready till October. However, we started building those units in June, so we're we're kind of three or four months yeah. ahead of site. So you know that that's that's all prefabricated back at our back at our uh, Southampton factory basically. So it cuts down. Uh, a big chunk of the build time on site. You've not got trades on site for a long period of time. There's a cost saving there. So, you know, as opposed to a traditional bricks and mortar, you're looking at about a 40% cost saving.
0: Okay. That's really interesting. And and I one of the questions I'm sure people will be asking in their mind is, this has now got Corten steel walls externally. What What is the life expectancy of a building that's done like that?
1: Um it's like any building it's it's how you maintain it yes. uh, if you if you keep on top of the maintain on top of the maintenance there's there's no reason that it can't last the same length of time as a as a traditional you know industrial building uh, you know you you will easily get circa 35 40 years out of this because the containers themselves are designed for a very harsh life at sea yes. this is in a st- static more sheltered environment uh, they've had additional paint put on. They've had additional coatings. Uh, they're insulated, you know. So, that, you know, you're not. They're not exposed to the more traditional
0: uh, harsh, yeah, the sea harsh environment, environments, yeah. so. Okay, and just what's the most unusual request you've had or you've worked on in terms of fitting out a container? Um,
1: I've I've done a lot over the years, and I did list a few. Uh, <laughs> uh, we did a. Retirement apartment for an elderly couple on a small holding. They wanted to retire to a small holding. They got a piece okay. of land. Yeah. Uh, so we used two 20-foot high cubes to do them, a one-bedroom apartment with a lounge and kitchenette, diner and bathroom. So, yeah, that was a bit strange one. But then it was all clad as well. So, it, it, again, it looked nothing like a container. By the time it was finished, uh, it, had a, uh, it had a traditional uh, tiled roof put on it as well. So you couldn't really tell what it was at the end of the day. Uh, it's Again, there was a cost saving and a build saving on that, uh, build time saving. Uh, we've done work for TV and film sets and stuff like that, but out of containers, uh, classrooms, ocean race, yacht workshops. Uh, we've done quite a few for military projects as well. Uh, so, yeah, there's... Uh, remote radar stations, you know, the, there's the uses are endless, and the you know the amount of diversity you get from different sectors is is just is just yeah. mad. It it's really is, you I know. It's
0: just down the imagination. We we've actually when I think about, it, we have got one container um, that we use ourselves, which has actually got our biomass heating system in. So basically, the whole thing got dropped in, connected up with a few pipes, done. It, it was that was really interesting and that that sits external to uh, the original plant room which had a was it a gas i think it was a gas boiler in. Mm. and yeah once we put down the the pads and everything ready for it and it came bush connected up but meant the heating was not off at all for very long it's quite interesting how that can work just pulling it back to storage though tom you mentioned a couple of times there about um different methods that people use containers with james's department coming in and splitting them up just maybe just go through some of those so you, you mentioned obviously we talked about top the ones for going on top but also if you're um, if your site doesn't allow very much access from the end of the containers or there's there's a quirky bit you can maybe take a 40 foot and change it into six or seven other units what, what are some of the things that you can do
2: yeah so so look at them we actually turn them as called multi-door containers and it's exactly what you said you put the container um, and you turn the container to then be side facing with entries from the side split into separate storage units really because we do it all bespoke in-house it's it's to any standard in terms of sizing that that you want i think the most common ones are probably the 20 foot to then split into sort of four sections Yep. from there, uh, which can then either have a c- container door or personnel door as entry, which whichever the customer sort of sees fit. Uh, these are great um, for not one space, so there will be areas on the site that are 20-foot protruding out with the doors opening would be too big, whereas on the side, it gives great access to that. Uh, it's also great, and it's something that we've certainly seen in terms of container sites, is the offerings of different sizes. Yes not only just the 20 foot containers i think it's it's a, i think people do need to be a little bit more open to the fact that the drive up storage does also interest people who are only maybe wanting a 60 square foot unit or an 80 square foot unit and and these multi doors not only offer the great structural stability and security of a shipping container but in the in the smaller sizes cost effectively as well
0: Okay, and just into, in, from one point of view, that those internal sections between the units, um, what are they generally made from? What's the material used for that?
2: So the partitions, it, it's again up to the customers. We always recommend a, a fully sealed floor to ceiling uh, steel partition, mm-hmm. uh, so everyone's contents is then completely separate from everyone else's. Yeah. People can go for removable partitions if they so so wished. So um, areas can be can be diversified so yeah. the space can be changed and some people do go for it to, to for a more even more cost effective option is just a timber frame yeah um but yeah the, the units that that we sort of promote uh ideally would be still fully sealed
0: yeah okay brilliant all right so just kind of wrapping up here just to pull on a little bit more of your experience you mentioned earlier on about um if people do think they might go double story is to plan that in if they are looking at doing phase design make sure you fill out containers that are going to be difficult to access with cranes or whatever else a, a later date what what are some of the other mistakes that you've seen container storage operators make that would be useful for our listeners to know
2: um i think the one that i do always come back to is people who have started by by starting with secondhand containers yeah. and then proceeding to go to the once used containers and then having to swap out the secondhand containers because they're either becoming a bit of an eyesore or generally th- their condition has gone past the point of economical repair. Uh, so I think initially start off with the once used containers. You can then select your color and you can select your brand and your signage and everything yes, from, from that you point pick you pick can it. follow it. Yes. And and then, then you can also in terms of using that branding, it's containers can be painted They can have logos put on them. Everything can be done um, that that we do um, in terms of of the branding and the sign writing. So that's certainly something to consider. I think ground surveys as well are equally important. And and it's not so much that you have to act upon what is underneath, but it's a case of there could be, you'd be looking at something like asbestos under there. You could be looking at when people have used old transport yards, I know that they've had fuel tanks underneath. And it's just something just to be aware of. And like I say, you don't have to action it. But you are then just fully aware of what your what what lays beneath, really. Yes. Um, and I think the other side is is always just try to keep the planning, keep on top of the planning of the site. Uh, so knowing about the phase deliveries, knowing your nooks and crannies and wet's going to be difficult to get containers in, could save yourself a, a cost of a crane hire anywhere between five, seven hundred pounds a day easily getting a couple of containers right at the end whereas if you had done that at the beginning you you would be saving yourself that that cost um i think finally is no matter how great software can be you're never going to have a fully manless site you are going to need some human interaction on the site Uh, whether that just be sweeping out a container whether that be leaving a padlock for a customer who's ordered a padlock Um, i think it's it's all Great that uh, that we have these these fantastic softwares where everything can be done online. There will be customers who want to see a, a person, and there will be that that time that you you are going to need to be on site in person. Whether that be you or someone that you're employed, so so always just have that in your mind that even if the site is 200 miles away, have someone in the locality that that you trust to uh, to be able to fulfil the needs and keep the reputation of that site strong.
0: That's a really good point, Tom. Yeah, when talking to investors, I do try and remind them. Look, this, this although this is a really exciting part of commercial property, this is a trading business. This isn't um, just park it, leave it, passive income. You, you, you do have to have some activity in here, or somebody representing you has to have that activity, right? And you know, you do have customers that leave and don't take their stuff. <laughs> you know, yeah. somebody somewhere's got to empty the container, right? Um, so yeah yeah, it's it's not completely passive but on saying that um there's far less maintenance there's far less to look after there's far less details to to concern yourself about clients and providing them the the right environment
2: oh yeah hundred percent yeah you do like i say you do need someone to be able to check the containers and and do a, a walk around to check the site is is in good condition but compared to an indoor site Yeah, the the upkeep or having someone on the floor is is certainly time is is a lot less.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, brilliant. I think that's us.
2: Gents, thank you so
0: much for your time. Um, I will put your details in the show notes for anyone who's listening wants to get in touch. Um, It's been really interesting to have that combination talking about um, fit-out and different designs. Thank you, James and Tom, just some of the stats and things around the industry and some of the experience you've had working with storage Company, so it's been really interesting. Could you perhaps just give us a quick, just a quick note of where people can find you? Where's the best way of getting in touch with you?
2: Yeah, I think uh, any search engine will box, uh, type us in. Please feel free to contact me directly on my email, which is uh, simply just tom at willbox.co.uk or sales at willbox.co.uk for any site setups or, or just any questions regarding containerized self storage. I'm more than happy to to engage in conversations. We're not hard selling at all we're a family-run business and and we look to grow this industry in the most reputable way we can thank you tom and james are you the same james at james at willbox.co.uk or
1: conversions at willbox.co.uk as tom says we're we're a friendly bunch of people it's a family-run business we still have traditional walking customers. They they walk up, and you know if they're in Southampton, they'll walk up and you know ring the doorbell, and you know we'll we'll sit down and have a chat with them. So you know that side of the market has not gone away. Um, we're we're kind of you know out the other side of COVID. So you know it's uh, you know we, we we like the human interaction as well.
0: James, you reminded me to just one other last point to make about Woolbox is. Sure, there's the main ports down the south of the country, but also you have depots and different places dotted around, don't you, throughout the country. And I think the next two, we've got two containers coming from you, in a couple of weeks or something, I think, and we managed to source them from Grangemouth, which is obviously not so far from where we're based. But you, 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 operate in quite a lot of different locations in the UK, don't you?
2: Yeah, we've got nationwide coverage. Nationwide coverage for for containers in terms of the the actual dedicated depots we run from over twenty three depots in the UK. So we're never too far away. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the, the options are there, and um, it's certainly something we can we can offer.
0: Fantastic. All right, Jens. Thank you so much. Speak again very soon. Now, let me ask you a question. How would you like to quiz today's guest or many of the other guests we've had on the show? Imagine that. Well, every month we hold a private podcast guest Q&A session for all of the CPI network and it provides the members an opportunity to ask those burning questions or those that might be answered a little more frankly when the microphone is turned off. This is just one of the benefits of joining the CPI network check out the Get In The Swim membership to see how you too can pose your own questions to our guest experts. There are, of course, many other benefits to members, including face-to-face networking and educational days, plus lots of online content created specifically by private investors for those that want to expand their property portfolio to include commercial assets. It's a fantastic way to gain more knowledge and confidence around commercial property, and it's great value. So why don't you come and join us? By getting in the swim. Hi there, I hope you're enjoying the content delivered on the CPI podcast. Even though it's free to listen to, it actually takes quite a bit of time and financial commitment to deliver each and every episode. Did you know that by leaving a positive written review, you, yes, you will have a direct impact on the visibility of the podcast. And that's really important because by reaching a wider audience, it helps our team to continually improve the overall content that we deliver to you week after week. For some of you, leaving a review will be second nature, but for others, it might be a first one. Open your podcast app, pick the CPI podcast and search for previous reviews. And on iTunes in particular, click to look at all of the reviews and then you'll see an option to leave a written review. Go on, it'll only take two minutes and it'll really make our day. And we genuinely read every single one of them.